Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you're at in the world today. It could be any one of the many countries that make up the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. I'm Ed the Pagan. I'm the Ed the Pagan Show. And today we're going to discuss more about business. And as you know, we've been discussing about business all week about the various aspects of being in the witch business and pagan business. And it's tough. It's not an easy process, um, as people know. Um, it has not. It has been, as you have heard from the guests we've already had and, and uh, the guests we're about to have, um, we're going to go ahead and develop the ideas and the aspects of being in business. And one of the biggest things about business that we've discovered is that the speed and, and, and patience that it is required, it has been one of those moments of that. I'm going to be bringing out a different thing. Let me go ahead and do a community note um, first and foremost. Um, I don't know if His Holiness, uh, uh, Patrick McCollum, as as many people refer to him, if you do not know who Patrick McCollum is, you need to look him up. He's a fantastic peace worker in our community, um, in the world today. And he has just been nominated for the Messenger of Peace for the uh, UN by none less than Dr. Jane Goodall. And uh, that is a very important piece. We're going we're to put it out there. Yes, Dr. Jane Goodall of our fame has put one of our own leading leaders, Patrick McCollum, into a position that has been so utterly terrific and nominated for a messenger of peace representing the UN, which is a very, very important aspect to it. And we're going to have more about that later on. But today I'm going to bring on to you uh, Sandra Maria White, um, Wright. Um, somebody I've known for a number of years. I think she is a fantastic businesswoman. I think she has a lot to offer, and she's you know she's she's worked the system. She's worked for a very long time, and um, well, not that long. She's a she's a, a vivacious uh, woman, but she has put in some real blood, sweat, and tears. And she's going to have a book out this year, reading the leaves. Uh, an Intuitive Guide with Ancient Art and Modern Magic with Random House, which is a great publisher, along with her friend Leanne Merriam. Um, and if you ever want to go see, Leanne Merriam did one of the most best pieces on Strega that we have in the Magic TV archives. And I'll, well, I'll let her talk for herself, and let's let's bring her on. Hi, Ed. How are you? I'm, well, I'm fantastic. Anytime I get to talk to fantastic people like yourself, I'm always very happy. And I, you know, and to this morning I've been dealing with, uh, you know, our community moving forward and doing really well. And, um, well, I've, I've known you for uh, many years, um, and you've always been a very dynamic businesswoman. And when I was doing this series, people asked me, well, who do you think are some of the best pe- business people, some of the best um, that? And um, and you, your name is always one of the names that pop into my head. Um, Thank you. Well, it is. Well. I appreciate well, that. Lot, well, well, you do a lot of work, and so having worked with you, you've always been a very detail-oriented person, and you're one of the most honest speakers out there. 
Well, first, congratulations on your book. When is that coming out? May 19th is the release date, but it is available on pre-order already. So it's mm-hmm. definitely out there. Um, if you, you know, if you Google it, you'll find it. Um, it's on the major, all the major booksellers have it for pre-order. Um, so we're very excited. We're going to New York um, next month to do a special event for media. And uh, we're super excited about that. We're going to go visit the publisher's well, office and do a tea event there for them. And I think that's going to be a blast. We love bringing that, you know, the hands-on experience to people. That's one of the things that we've definitely done for, you know, quite a, quite a long time. Um, 2002 with the launch of Festival of the Dead. And then uh, the morning tea starting in 2007. So, and so we've been doing that ever since. And, you know, when it came time to think about what it was that I wanted to write for the first book, I decided it was, it needed to be something that was at the core of, of what we've been doing, the work that we've been doing as witches for the community and for the greater community, for the, for what um, Christian Day likes to call muggles seeking magic, which is, you know, the largest um, group of, you know, uh, people that walk through the, the doors to the stores in Salem. Um, that is the largest group. Um, maybe there is going to come a day when, you know, hardcore practitioners are making up the greatest number of people that come through the door, but um, that is really not the case. It's really um, soccer moms and, you know, just uh, average Joes coming through the door and wanting to explore and experience magic. And they can, and they've come to Salem to do that. And, you know, they're interested in, learning more about it, you know, these are people who, yeah, they know their sun sign and, you know, they've seen a couple movies, but they're not necessarily setting up their own practice yet, or maybe they're just about to start setting up their own practice and, you know, they want to get a couple books and maybe take home, you know, something to either start them off on their psychic journey, like purchasing something like a pendulum or maybe they're, you know, going to start doing some candle magic because that's pretty, you know, that's a very powerful but basic method of spell work. And so they're looking for maybe a spell candle or, you know, something, you know, very, um, you know, sort of easy to adapt into a normal, you know, average person's lifestyle, I guess you'd say. And and so that's really where, um, you know, that's where we've been doing a lot of our work is, is with people who are just starting to get involved in understanding, you know, some of this type of spirituality. So, Absolutely. Now, I know that you also, and people have uh, shared it on The Daily Spell, we've shared it out there. You're doing a new, uh, basically, uh, web series called Psychic Tea. Um, and I find that in you right. interviewing various people. Um, that yeah, would be a really kind of a fun thing to do. In May, it'll be two years actually that we've been doing it. So, mm-hmm. so it's been fun and it's super fun. And and that's and you're having tea and you're in, and meeting with various um, other witches and practitioners. And you're just what I like about the show. One of the things I must say I really do enjoy watching it is that you don't try to talk over people's heads. I I find a lot of 
those trying to do the web shows often talk over people's heads on on it, um, you know, just kind of just filling it full of big words. And, and you tend to drag them and bring them down to a level where people can really understand it, not talking down, but talking to. I find that uh, I find that refreshing on it. Well, you know, um, I got to say that um, I had a psychic that came from the other coast um, to work for the psychic fair a couple years back. And um, this person expressed some negative views um, about some of our, about some of the fellow psychics and about some of the, the customers or the clients. And basically was, you know, really full of themselves and, and really acting above it all. And I said, you know, I, I took the person aside and I said, you know, um, I don't think you understand the mission here. You know, what, whatever you think about, you know, these other psychics or, or, or the level that people are at when they're coming here and they've never had a reading before and they don't really know what to expect and they, they might be nervous or they might be, um, you know, trying to um, put walls up or what have you because they, they're afraid. You know, they're afraid. They're scared. Some of them are very scared still. Um, and you're, you're judging very harshly. What you need to understand is as a psychic, you call yourself a professional psychic. As a psychic, it's your job to meet people exactly where they are, wherever that is. Wherever they are at on their journey, it's your job to meet them there. Not to judge them for where they are or try to compare them to yourself or to anyone else that you know or hold in high regard. That's not your job. Your job is to go and meet them where they are. How can you guide them if you can't reach them? And if you're turning up your nose at them or looking down your nose at them, you're not going to meet them where they are. And it's something that I've, you know, kind of had to remind people, you know, occasionally when they put on airs about, you know, um, the either the level of understanding that people they're speaking to in the stores are at or what have you. It's like, hey, listen, um, everyone starts somewhere and, you know, you need to help them, not judge them, just help them, you know. So it's like we just we want to be able to um, welcome in all of the people that are curious, all of the people that are interested and not, you know, not really, you know, try to play games with like, it's the spiritual Olympics, you know, it's like holier than thou, who's got more traditions under their belt or who's got more, you know, whatever, whatever's or, you know, and I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, titles don't matter and all this, because of course they do. They're, they're, they're significators of achievements, and I'm not going to rob someone of their achievements, but they don't make you a better person. They might make you better educated than somebody else, certainly, on certain subjects, but it doesn't make you a better person just to have those titles or those, you know, those letters after your name or, or what have you. It doesn't make you a better person, you know, so it just, you know, it, some of the stuff that we run into is very ego you know, we all, you need a healthy ego, but you know, the, the key word there is healthy. 
needs to be a healthy ego, not an unhealthy, unbalanced ego. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have ego, you're never going to be able to um, effectively give someone psychic guidance. If you're constantly doubting everything that's coming out of your mouth, you're no use to anyone. You've got to have some ego, but you, you can't let it run rampant. And you certainly have to remember, you know, that, that um, you know, everyone started somewhere on the journey. Absolutely. And, and I, I, that was a lesson I took away very strongly because, as people know, I, I've been a number of years in another business. And for reasons we won't talk about, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a year off from it. And one of the things I was offered was a chance to work at the semi-annual psychic, uh, the Salem annual psychic fair, which is market. And and I worked at it just like everybody else. So I went, I started out in the back row, just being everybody else, and to see how people really reached out to people. Um, but let's get to the first business question. People have asked me, says, how do you, you know, I don't have the time, and I don't know how to manage my time. You are one of the best managers of your time because you're running multiple events especially in October, all year round, you're running multiple businesses, some of your own as general, uh, such as I saw Gallows Hillary Witchery, and I've seen some of your pictures of you showing jewelry and that sort of thing. You run a psychic fair circuit of your own. You've been writing this book. You teach. You're a high priestess. And then during October, you're taking on the much larger job of the big, the big, the big production in Salem. How do you manage your time? How do you find the balance to keep yourself both healthy, which you've done an amazing job at. And I know that that's been a big part of your life that you've expressed with people and also able to accomplish so much. So having, having the energy to do all the things you want to do is key. So understanding how you feed yourself, feed your soul, um, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, um, that's going to weigh in on that because how you how you power up and uh, give yourself the space to power down is key, you know. And a big thing is, you know, I know that a buzzword, self-care is a huge buzzword. We're going to do a show um, Thursday with um, Dr. Demi Palmer, and we're going to be talking about um, the link between mind, body, and spirit and, and beauty and the idea of, um, you know, the idea of caring for your physical body as much as caring for your spirituality and how they are linked and how um, in the osteopathic medicine they're finding they're linked more than they ever thought they were. Um, but being able to understand how you um, best replenish your energy, whether that's you need time away from people or you need more time with key people who really bring out the best in you, um, so looking at your sphere, seeing, um, you know, the circles you're traveling in, are they helping you and feeding you and supporting you or are they wearing away at your energy? Are you around people that are lifting you up and cheering you on or are you around people that are tearing you down and making you feel uh, small? You can't have a bunch of people in your, in your sphere that are doubting you that are picking at you and attacking you for your dreams and still think you're going to accomplish them. And sometimes it's very difficult to walk away from certain people, especially if they're legacy friends, people that you have a long history with. It can be very difficult to walk away, but you have to. You have to at least keep them way out beyond arm's distance. You have to look at your life like circles, like the circles, the inner circle. Only certain people really earn the spot in the inner circle. A lot of people 
over the years have said to me, uh, you know, Sandra's like has like walls or she has like a bubble. And once you get in the bubble, that's when you really get to know her. But she keeps a lot of people outside the bubble. And I think in some degree that is true, although a lot of people have met me and said, oh, I felt like I knew you right away. But um, I think I have a, I have a pretty strong filter um, and not yeah. everybody makes it through. Um, and I feel like in Salem, I think you've got to develop that because so many people um, come to the city specifically for it's, you know, it's a cult community. So you really, you're meeting tons and tons of people constantly uh, being in the stores has made, you know, has amplified that quite a bit and being, you know, being front and center and being reachable um, 12 months out of the year instead of just in October has definitely amplified that. So you definitely need a strong filter but you've got to figure out what really what nourishes you. So all the things that you, you're talking about me doing, these all these things nourish me in some way. I I love being able to help educate people. I love being able to help people along on the path. Um, I believe strongly in the power of psychic readings to help people create the the best you know life for themselves. And it's a it's a roadmap to where you you know where you want to be. Um, and it helps you, you know, look for opportunities and avoid pitfalls. And there's so many great reasons. I think psychic readings, I know psychic readings have completely changed people's lives. And so doing that work is certainly fulfilling. It's a sacred task. Um, it's something, you know, I feel called to myself personally with my own clients, but also facilitating other psychics, which is, you know, it's funny because Christian has said on more than one occasion, you know, as good of a psychic as you are, it, you're so much more valuable for your ability to actually manage them because they're a very sensitive group of people and it can be very difficult to have so many uh, really strong personalities, you know, with great sensitive natures, all work, trying to work together in, you know, in concert. And I think you got that, you know, very, uh, up close and personal um, with this past October, actually working the fair, you know, with, uh, you know, up to 10 psychics at a, at a time working, all working in the same space. Um, you know, it, it's definitely, it's powerful. The energy, you know, is over, can be overwhelming at times. And, you know, it's really, but again, that's, that does feed me as much as that, as much as at the end of October I heave a great sigh of relief, I'm also I'm all, I also drink it in while I'm in the moment. I am drinking it in. I'm I am I'm happy in that moment. So even though I have so many balls in the air and I have so many plates spinning, you know, and I'm trying to keep them all spinning, at the same time, it's exhilarating. It really is. And if you're somebody that, um, you know, can't balance that stress then it's probably excruciating but it for me I actually feel you know that it's I don't know I guess it's it's just a part of my calling and I think once you find that whatever that is um, all the effort that you have to put out to make it work is so worth it and you'll know because you'll be able to tell the difference you'll be able to feel it you'll be able to feel that as hard as it is and as much as you do put what you say, blood, sweat, and tears, um, it'll give back to you tenfold. It'll make itself known as worth it. Um, every effort you make will be considered worth it. 
you know. Uh, so, so I I think one of the people the lot rot the the sigh at the end of the ordeal isn't really an ordeal for you. I see it as like a marathon. You're you're a marathon runner in that moment. I've seen your face at it. It's like I've accomplished this, and it's much more the accomplishment of of doing something really great instead of going some through, through something that was difficult. It may be difficult, but you, you do absolutely show a great joy in what you do. And you, the way you handle people, I mean, um, I'll be honest. We had one incident over sensitivity, and you handled it not only with great uh, sensitivity and gratitude, but with great strength. You wanted to make sure bad behavior stopped, and it did. I mean, I remember that. I was always very impressed with how – well, you did it with both, you know, respect and also with great strength. And what I mean by that, a lot of people get into the idea that you have to be. No, well, let me go ahead and say you have to be a bitch or you have to be mean. And you do not show those traits. When you're there, you're strong. You're great at doing so. And I think one of the things I think um, a lot of the younger women that I've met in business feel like they have to be mean or they have to be like, you know, like nasty about it. And you and a lot of people around uh, that that work with you are not that way. You're strong, but you're not mean. You're not intentionally cruel. Can you talk to that? Why do young women? You know, why how young women will be better with being themselves and then trying to play that role of being you know nasty? Well, mean. you know, I think unfortunately, I think that um, I think it probably bounces back to um, to an example set by young men. Um, I think that mm-hmm. if the same behavior was going on and the person was male, we wouldn't be hearing him being called a bitch. Um, mm-hmm. He'd be touted as a hard ass and, oh, he gets it done. And, you know, oh, no one wants to cross him, boy. Wow, he's powerful. He's, you know, and these things would, would somehow be looked at as positives, whereas when these behaviors are exhibited by women, they're looked at as instantly negative. And how come you mm-hmm. can't be sweet about it? And how come you can't be nice about it? It's like, well, the men in that industry are probably not being very sweet about it and very nice about it, but they're getting it done. And so I feel like if there's an example that's been set, it's probably been set by the men. And then when the same behavior is exhibited by women, it gets run through a different filter. And I'm not that way. Uh, and maybe it's the Libra in me. I don't know. But I'm, I am not a person that's going to, you know, um, take a look at the behavior and decide if it's acceptable based on what the gender of the person exhibiting the behavior is. For me, um, I want to see people be good people, and those traits don't have gender attached to them. You know, kindness isn't just for women. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know it's like mercy isn't just for the feminine. Um, but neither is severity just for the masculine. I mean, that, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that, that's done any, um, you know, middle pillar work is, um, is, is, knows what I mean when I say that you, you have to be, to be a leader, you have to be able to balance between the pillars of severity and mercy. That is the true mark of wisdom. That's why, on many tarot cards, the high priestess is drawn between those two pillars. That is the mark of wisdom. She, in the Robin Wood deck, she's holding the book in one hand and the crystal ball in the other. And she's, she's showing these to us to remind us that, you know, we need to be a combination of study 
as well as talent, right? The book indicating like actually book learning study, the crystal ball basically relying on just our raw talent, like our raw ability to see our vision. You know, that's a, that's a big part of being a leader is having vision. Um, but what else would, what else qualifies her? You know what I mean? Well, she also is right in between the pillars of severity and mercy, she knows when to draw the boundary line. She knows how to enforce it properly. She knows, you know what I mean, how, how to motivate people, whether that is, you know, basically uh, coming down a little harder to get somebody to, to snap into place or whether it's, you know, softly kind of nudging someone in the right direction. I mean, in order to be a good leader, you've got to know when to, you know, when to use different techniques that motivate people differently. You know, some people really need a lot of tough structure, maybe tough love in some cases. Other people, you know, do a lot better with just praise, you know, and it, you've got to feel people out. And that's the only way to be a good manager, certainly, is to be able to tell, to be able to know, you know, when someone's going to respond to a certain type of guidance you know, and uh, honestly, even as a psychic, um, I've seen psychics get, be very well received when they, you know, kind of have the soft touch. And then I've seen other psychics, you know, be like really hard on their clients saying, you've got to do this. You've got to, you, you know, I've seen you in my chair, you know, three times already. And I've told you the same thing three times and you're not following through and you've got to follow through. And there are some people that respond really well to that and other people that just wouldn't, you know. But it's like there's there's a way to there's definitely a way to understand how to um, come at somebody, you know, and you can't you also in some ways can try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And I find, you know, there are times when in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking that way. You're, it's hard to shove yourself out of yourself and step into somebody else's shoes and say, how would I receive this criticism or how would I receive this guidance or correction? If this were me, how would I be hearing it? Would I be okay hearing what's, what's about to come out of my mouth? And if not, how should I rephrase it so that the meaning gets across? You know, the, the where I'm trying to go, you know, there's one thing that I will say that I use in all relationships in my life, business or otherwise. And that is, I look at where I want to end up at the end of that conversation, whatever that conversation is going to contain, no matter how difficult that conversation is about to be. I take a look at where I really want to end up. And I say, is what I'm about to say going to help me get closer to that? Or is that going to push me further away? Because as much as I might want to blurt something out in the moment, I have to keep my end goal in sight. So if reconciliation and cooperation and harmony is my goal, then I can't let something really super abrasive come out of my mouth unless I've exhausted my other tools in my arsenal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that actually makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, thank you for the reminder that sometimes the filters that we go through, we do create these filters uh, that shouldn't be there. And um, it's an important aspect of it. And being authentic is something that you've done really well. 
And you also have a great deal of self-confidence because one of the things that people were asking, because you've been on a number of shows. Um, you mentioned, you know, Travel Time, Magnificent Obsession, um, but also you've been on a lot of shows. I mean, television shows and sort of different types of aspects of it. And a lot of people very much shy away from that. And also you deal with a lot, as you mentioned, heavy personalities, being in Salem, being in one of the premier shops, running the largest psychic fair out there as well as uh, your own things, you have to deal with a lot of strong personalities. How do you keep your self-confidence up and be able to, you know, keep being able to say, I'm able to project myself into the world? Because you've done that very well. And I know a lot of people, a lot of younger people who want to be in business are shrink at the first time that they really meet, meet these sort of what they would call heavier personalities or these heavier situations where they have to be, show themselves in their best light. And you do it very well. Any advice for them? Well, I think, you know, what's really funny is when I was a kid, my grandmother had a saying that I've always kept in mind. And she used to say, the cat can look at the king, can't he? And it was funny because it's probably an old Irish saying, but um, it, it just, it's, it's like saying, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are or who that person is. You know, when you're sharing that space, when you're walking into that space, you know, you're authentically you, they're authentically them. That's what matters, not the roles you play or the titles you hold or the things. It's not the trappings. It's, it's just being your authentic self. And when you're in the craft, that's, you're sharing a piece of your soul. You're sharing who you are at your very core, who you are when everything else is stripped away, what, who you are at, at, your, at your absolute purest. That's what, that's what you're, you know, that is what you are opening up, to, you know, into the world. That's, that's what you're sharing. So you can't worry about how that's going to be received. You just have to say, this is who I am. This is me. These are my strengths. Um, yes, I have weaknesses. We all do. Acknowledging that, you know, every single person has weaknesses. Every single person has strengths. Um, no one person's going to be good at every single thing. There isn't enough time, <laughs> you know. We have to go with what we are drawn to, go with what, you know, really nourishes us and, you know, what it is that we feel are our personal gifts, our, you know, our special contributions to the world and be able to say, you know, I don't care how this compares with anybody else or what anyone else is doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what this is what I'm offering. This is what I'm this is what I'm able to share. You know, when um when Sean and Christian came to me and said, "We are going to start something in Salem called the Festival of the Dead, and we want you to be a part of it and we want you to think about what you want to do for that festival." And we are going to have a witch's ball and we're going to have a psychic fair and we're going to do a dumb supper. And, um, you know, and so a lot of the things that traditionally had been done at that time of year, um, they were covering and they, you know, they, they wanted my help with them, but they, they were pretty much going to, you know, going to run them or going to be like, here's how, how it's going to be. But then they said, we want you to come up with things that you want to do and you run them, you run those things. And it'll all be under this great umbrella called Festival of the Dead. And I thought to myself, what, what am I, what have I done? What have I done magically personally that I can share? And that's when I started with Death and Rebirth. 
that's when I said, here's what I'm going to do. You know, this is something that I, this is a practice that I've done uh, for many years, and I'm going to share it with the rest of the world, you know. And it took something off from my authentic practice, not from Alexandrian witchcraft or anything, you know, specific that I had been taught, but something authentically me. Um, and, and that is what I decided to contribute, you know, and then eventually we came to the morning tea and, um, and we still do, I still do both of those events, um, you know, every year now, because it's like that, that is what I felt so strongly about sharing from my personal practice. But if I had been intimidated by the fact that all of the sort of traditional things were already being done then I might never have, you know, I might never have stepped up and said, yes, thank you for asking me. I am going to come up with something that is purely me that I'm going to run for Festival of the Dead. You know, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. You know, had I, had I shied away and said, oh, I I couldn't possibly, you know, all, all the typical things are taken, you know, then, then, you know, then all the people whose lives I've touched with that through the years, and it's been an honor and a privilege. um, None of that would have ever happened. You know, and there have been so many stories over the over the years. God, it's closing in on two decades now. Um, you know, <laughs> so many stories from people. Um, you know, none of those none of those things would have happened. So it's a it's a really it's a domino effect, and it just reverberates out. And then it you know, thankfully it comes back. You know, in in stories here and there, and you get to hear from people that it makes such a difference. You know, attending something and and then it takes root in their life and it changes things. And it's just like I said about psychic readings earlier. It's like, this is the kind of work. This is, this is what they call Dharma, right? This is like the work that has Mm -hmm. such meaning. You know, I have something like six planets in the house of work. So I'm definitely here to get shit done. Absolutely. And um, well, let me take you off on a little bit of a, a tangent. You are a lover of jewelry. I've noticed that you've shown jewelry. You wear beautiful jewelry, um, especially a lot of occult jewelry. And I always find it very interesting that, that you do. And not in sort of this idea of, oh, it's a flashy thing, but it all has a lot of meaning for you. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of younger people go out and they try to buy jewelry to impress. I do not think you do that. I think you buy jewelry to make an impression on yourself. I do. I've seen some of the pieces you do. Can you talk about, you know, when you do, you know, because I know that you also run a little bit of a jewelry company. Can you talk about jewelry that, that for, you know, magical purposes, but for yourself? Hmm? And well, I'm a, how to pick I'm something a huge for yourself. Lover. Yeah, I'm a huge lover of talismanic jewelry. I'm a huge lover of the idea of talismans in general. So at a very young age, um, I was a big fan of the band Kiss and they had um, a movie that came out. Oh God, I don't know. Might've been 77 or something. 78. Um, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. And in that movie, right. And in that movie, um, it described that they had, they each member of the band had a talisman. And that talisman was the key to that person's powers. They had special powers and the talisman, you know, supported those powers and held those powers in some ways. And this is something that we've seen. This is a a concept that we've seen um, 
throughout, you know, other books and movies and things. I mean, you think about the Horcruxes and, you know, we could go on and on and we could do a whole entire show. The idea of, uh, of talismanic magic. But this is something that I've always felt so strongly about. That's why I, I teach a class called Amulets and Talismans. I'm actually teaching it this year at Hexfest. Um, and I've taught it at Festival of Dead, and I've, you know, I've, I've basically been a big believer in the idea of personal talismans. And I find that even people who might not think of themselves as wearers of personal talismans, they are. They just maybe don't know it. Almost every piece, when I'll start in a class, in the beginning of the talismans class, and I'll start asking people, how many people here are wearing a talisman? A few hands will go up. But then when I say, okay, how many people here are wearing their birthstone? Then more hands shoot up. How many people here are wearing a wedding band or a diamond ring? And more hands, almost every hand will shoot up. And it's like, yes, and that ring is not just a ring. It's not just any old ring. It's probably considered your most prized ring. It's probably one of your most prized possessions. And it symbolizes something a lot more than just somebody spent a good deal of money and gave me a ring. And, you know, likewise, your birthstone is different to you than any other pendant that you might wear because you identify something special with it. You know, you identify a piece of you in it. It symbolizes something for you. It's beyond just, oh, here's a pretty gemstone that I like. It's got some meaning for you on a personal level that you draw some level of power from. And that's why you like to, you know, you feel a certain way when you wear it. Um, and so even just those simple concepts, you know, obviously in some, with someone that's an actual practitioner, it goes to a whole other level. People are wearing, you know, something that's um, significant to a specific deity that they feel dedicated to or, you know, some uh, a promise that they've made to a group or a coven um, or maybe something that um, signifies, you know, um, a commitment that they've made on another level. Um, you know, certainly there are people who um, I wear a bracelet. Um, specifically regarding my health journey, I have a specific bracelet that I never take off, um, that I wear, you know, that never comes off. So it's just 24-7 on my body. Um, you know, there are pieces of jewelry that they're much, much more than just a piece of jewelry. And a lot of people, um, you know, ask me about Gallus Hill Witchery and say, oh, you know, you these these things are all so beautiful on your table and you're such a lover of jewelry. How do you not just keep all of them for yourself? I say, well, because I know they're not all meant to be mine. When something's meant to be mine, I know it. I feel it. I can tell. But these are meant for other people. I think they're all beautiful or I wouldn't even, I wouldn't offer them to people. But they're not meant to be mine. I can appreciate them. But these are not my talismans, these talismans. I'm meant to get these talismans to the people that they actually belong to. So in that sense, you're more of the curator and the, um, the, the witch that transmits. The witch that transmits. So let's go off of so one last question, and I think do you deal with more psychics than I think far more than the average person does. And I think probably one of the most out there in the country because of the fact that you run – so many opportunities for psychics and, and not just opportunities for psychics, for ways for psychics to be successful. 
Um, I will be honest. I, the, the psychic fair that I just worked with you guys was very successful for me in a lot of ways, not just financial. I mean, I got to do, got to do a reading for a, a pretty well-known you know, movie star, which I would not have had an ordinary opportunity to. I got a chance to meet a lot of great psychics. I got to spend a really good time, and I had a fantastic time. But it was never – it was always rooted in the work. It was a mind, there was a constant reminder of how much the work we were doing. And like you said earlier, a lot of the people were just a first-time psychics, and they were like – they needed to hear what I had to say. They chose me out of the group because they had to. And you, your team manages that very, very well. And under most circumstances, I think a lot of psychic fairs would crack up under the tremendous traffic and the tremendous interest. But you guys do it. How do you, can you, so young psychics are out there wanting to do their very best. And um, so how, what do you look for and how could they, you know, say approach you for like working a psychic fair or their local psychic fair or, you know, kind of be able to be succeed in this field? Because as much as people don't understand it, you can actually make a living as being a professional psychic. It's not just uh, this sort of poverty stricken enterprise that people treat it like a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I do find that um, the psychics that I know that are successful, um, they understand that they need to treat it like a career. They um, invest their time and money into themselves to get going. They take professional headshots, not selfies in the car, and they put them on their business card, you know, and they get professional business cards made. They get professional marketing materials made. Um, you know, it's, there's something to be said for treating this like it was any other job you were going for where, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. You want people to, I mean, uh, people are very visual creatures, you know, whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, what we see motivates us. So, you have to be cognizant of what your photograph is conveying. Some psychics do better when they look very approachable, when they look like um, a yoga instructor or the girl next door or, you know, something. Some psychics look better with an air of authority, like I have knowledge that you should come to me for. Other psychics do better when they look a little otherworldly, like, Oh, you might have just stepped out of Avalon, you know, and you've got to figure out what your, what is going to draw people to you. What is your special, you know, look or what is going to be your, you know, your sort of signature for yourself and and your, what is the persona that people are drawn to about you? What are the features people are drawn to about you? And you need to play those up in your marketing materials. Um, You need to be reachable somehow. You need to be able to, do phone readings when you're not at these fairs. So you need to have some kind of a contact, whether it's um, they have like Google voice numbers where it disguises your, um, you know, your, your, um, your, your own actual phone number where it gives you like a fake phone number for people to call and reach you. You need to have a way so that when the psychic fair is over, people can return to you. You know, I tell all the psychics that work for us, please bring your business cards. You know, if you're coming to the fair for October, you want these people to continue to be your clients. You don't want to just read them once. You want them to call you three months from now when their situation is moving along and they're looking for more guidance on it. You want 
to be reachable. So you've got to have an email, you've got to have a phone number where people can, you know, where you can do phone readings. If you don't want to do the Google Voice thing, you need to sign up for something like Psychics for Hire or some of these other, you know, online um, places where you can take phone readings and your phone number will be disguised so that your clients can reach you, so that they have a way to actually continue to, to see you. Because as many of the people as we get through the door that have never had a reading before, and maybe it's a novelty to them, there are a huge number of people that, you know, make psychic readings a regular part of their lives, and they're going to want to continue to be your clients. Um, you want to do psychic parties. You want to be reachable to be bookable for psychic parties. You want to go into, you know, into, um, you know, your neighborhoods and areas and things and, and be able to, um, you know, to, to serve your community. And that's usually done by friends. Like that's a word of mouth, friends of friends thing, usually with psychic parties, somebody you met at work, maybe wants to do one for a bunch of their friends or, you know, something. So it's usually not strangers with psychic parties. It's usually like you get a referral from a client and then they want you, you know, you to do a party at their house. They're going to invite six to eight people over, and you're going to do, you know, 15 or 20 minute readings for, for those people, you know, and, and that's how you build your business. You know, you, you need marketing materials, you need to be reachable, you need word of mouth. And then you start finding out where the, the psychic fairs are in your area, or maybe even out of your area, if you can travel, um, you know, and then, and then come to Salem and talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and if you come to Salem, you're going to work. I mean, that's, I find that very interesting. I find that very interesting because, um, because I'm reentering the business. It's very interesting being in Salem, looking at that sort of professional aspect of it. And I tried a number of different outfits and shockingly, I'm finding out that people prefer me to see me as a priest. I've gotten into, you know, the sort of, you know, more of the man of the cloth type of aspect, which is something my life is moving to in my personal life. But it was very interesting to see that people reacted most strongly to that image, and I, I tried them all. I tried the Harry Potter. I tried, you know, being, you know, the pirate. I tried all of them. And eventually, you're right. You have to find the place it is, and then you have to accept it. That's the hard, hardest part. I really enjoyed talking with you, and I think that people have a, you have a lot of wisdom. And I know you have a very long career ahead of you. So you've got the book coming out. You've got all this sort of thing to do. How do people contact you? How do people can see what you're doing? Well, um, I am on Facebook, and um, I think mm-hmm. if you're if you're connected, like if you're connected with Ab- with Ed on Facebook, then you should be able to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you can uh, maybe you can field some some people if they have a hard time finding me because maybe I'm not the easiest to search out. Um, but I am on Facebook, um, and I am the general manager for Hex and Omen in Salem, and so. Um, if you can't find me, um, you can find Hex or Omen on Facebook. You can also find the Psychic Tea, um, the Psychic Teas page. Um, I think it's just at Psychic Teas, but I could be wrong. But um, you just go to the Psychic Teas page actually. and write, you know, send a message, and um, and I'll receive it there as well. So if you can't find me personally, Sandra Mariah Wright, then you can check out the Psychic Teas page or write to Hex or Omen in Salem, and um, either way, any of those ways, you can reach me. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm blown away, and I'm, I really am impressed 
with the level that you know that you you bring to the table, and I really appreciate you sharing it with us, especially this week when we're talking to a lot of younger people about being in the business um, and everything else. And I don't think people are too young to get into this business. I think that that's something you, because what we can tell, one of the things you, you talk about is having a 20-year career. You're not. It's not like we, you know, when we look at uh, some of our elders, they get into the 80s. We're not. We're just starting. You're just really getting started, aren't you? In a lot of ways, right? Uh, yeah, right. Oh, we got like, right? like people talking. Yeah, about, like, people talking to you like all the time. Like, listen, everybody saw J Lo this weekend. Okay, everybody saw <laughs> Shakira. That's my. That's my age. Those are my age groups. That's what I'm talking about. That didn't look old to me. So they got a lot of good years me left neither. in them. Their hips don't lie. Absolutely. Yep. There you go. And so. <laughs> So thank you, and um, and I and I appreciate it. And so, uh, I want to thank so you. Thanks so much. And, it's been fun. And hopefully, it, um, later on this year, let's hopefully you know we'll see how it goes when she gets her book out. Hopefully, she'll have time for all of us. But she's in, I, this book. I think is going to be dynamic. I think you really, I know you. I know how you do your reading. So if you really are interested in TV Nation and just anything, go ahead and pre-order the book today. Hmm? Yes, and, uh, yes, and I. I got to say, um, Leanne and I, we're very super excited about what this year is going to bring. And Ed, um, am I seeing you in October? Are you coming back? Um, that's a, if you look at my tour schedule, I have it planned, and, and I hopefully I'll see Sweet. you before that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm coming up in April to do your class, yes. Do my class, and then actually, yes, yes absolutely. But, um, no, I'm planning. I have it on my, on my schedule here. I, that's, I think it was the highlight awesome. of last year. I learned a lot from last year. I feel I have a lot more to learn. And, you know, people are looking at me strangely. What can you have to learn? Believe me, you gave me one of the best pieces of advice that I'm actually working on about the four things you need to be a good psychic. And we'll leave that out there. But there's four things you need to be a good Salem psychic you have to do. Close in October, I'll see how many of them I can actually master. Um, yeah. And so thank you. And so find out more. Find us on Facebook. And uh, blessed be. Blessed be. Take care. Bye. Bye. And um, all right, folks. And so that's tomorrow. We have Chris Copeland of Gulch uh, Translations. She's going to talk to us about life coaching, which is going to be one of the big things. It's going to be earlier in the daytime. So send me your questions that you have. Um, We're going to be talking about life coaching and translations and how to be pegging into more mainstream businesses and sort of that the idea of it is. And just because you think you're pagan or a witch or a psychic, that you can't make a living, that's nonsense. We really love it. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Member uh, Untraining of the Sea Priestess by Lady Stephanie uh, Stephanie Neal, Leon Neal. You can buy that book out there. It's out there for available for press. My Mystic Gems, where you get great jewelry. And um, everybody out there, have a good day and enjoy this time we're coming out of inbox we're going to go ahead and heading towards spring in the northern hemisphere and just enjoy your day blessed be <laughs>